You know, I was telling somebody earlier this week, it would be awesome if we had like a pyrotechnic show. And at the end of that, it just shot off with like fireworks and flames everywhere. So that would be a great way to open the service and just get you guys all up to speed with where we're at. Uh, today, we are going to talk about uh, something we've probably never talked about here before. We're going to talk about road rage. Um, and my guess is that some of you may, be, may have been uh, a victim of road rage. Some of you may have been a perpetrator of road rage. I'm not going to ask you to, sh- to raise your hands because that would make you all feel uncomfortable. But he- here's the interesting thing. Some of you may not realize you've been a victim of road rage, and that's because we, we probably don't understand the definition. So I'm actually going to give you a definition of road rage this morning, and it's this. Road rage is aggressive or angry behavior exhibited by a driver. But you'd all say, of course it is. But, but road rage doesn't have to be, you know, the guy who, who gets out of his car in traffic and, and like stomps back to your car and starts banging on your windshield. Road rage has a bunch of kind of other behaviors that go along with it, whether, you know, you, you've been a victim or a perpetrator of it. There, there's this kind of underlying uh, um, behaviors of road rage, and, and, and that's what this bottom part says. Behaviors include, and I'm going to go through this really fast. Rude and offensive gestures, verbal insults, physical threats, dangerous uh, driving methods targeted toward another driver or pedestrian in an effort to intimidate or release frustration, to which we would all say, of course we've been a victim of that. And, and some of us may have even been a, a, uh, a perpetrator of this, right? I mean, we're in traffic and, and, and things just tend to get the better of us. And, and, and one of the, the negative sides about road rage is that it, it tends to happen towards like total strangers, right? People we don't even know, people that, that may not even know they're doing anything wrong or, or that, that, that we're upset by this, and they, have, they kind of have no idea. That's the interesting thing. Here's an interesting statistic about road rage, and this might offend some of you, but uh, just be patient with us today. So, so um, <laughs> this is actually true. People who customize their cars with stickers or other adornments are more prone to road rage. So all of you with bobbleheads and bumper stickers, you're the perpetrators of road rage. We know who you are. We, you know, we see your cars in the parking lot. Um, what's, what's really interesting is it's not the content of the stickers. It's the, the, uh, the number or the quantity of such things is what dictates this. So it kind of deflates your, your excuse, right? Well, you know, it's a, a female driver, and, and that's the problem. Or it's, it's, and I thought this might be a little too, too early, too soon, too sensitive, but it's all the Democrats. I know it's them. I, I see their stickers. Or it's, it's all the Republicans, but it, it's, it's not. It's the number of bumper stickers in your car. That's how we know that, that you're... Uh, perpetrator of road rage, that, that you kind of give into this. Well, what's interesting about road rage, and this kind of happens to all of us, is, is that we don't, we don't tend to think it's us, do we? We, we tend to think it's, it's other people, it's, it's always them, because we don't have a rage issue. I mean, we would, who would ever say, I have a rage issue? No, no one would ever say that, would you? No one would ever say, rage is the boss of me. We don't like that word, so we use, we use other words. T- to be honest, we don't even say anger. We say, we say, what do we say? We say, I'm, it starts with an F, I'm, f- you know this word? frustrated. I'm just frustrated. I'm not angry. I'm frustrated. Have you ever said that to someone? Have you ever said somebody, had somebody say this to you? Uh, you, look, you look angry. Are you okay? Oh, I'm not angry. Are you sure? Because you seem angry. And then your voice gets you know, a little more volume. Behind. I'm not angry. Oh, I'm, I'm sorry. You, you just seem angry. No, I'm just, I'm just frustrated. Okay, what's the difference? And as you're trying to figure that out, I'll, I'll give you a, a little thing. It's, there is none. Right? Frustration is anger. It's just another way of saying that. So you, you try to figure out the difference between the two, and while you do, I'm going to catch you up on our series. We're in a series called <clears throat> You're Not the Boss of Me. 
Kind of where we're going with this series is a how-to series is how to say no to the emotions that compete for control. Because the truth is we all have emotions and these emotions all compete for control of your mouth, of your moods. And these emotions, if we're not careful, they, they kind of cause us to become people or do things that we wouldn't want to do, that we wouldn't want to say, that we wouldn't, wouldn't like to go. And, and uh, it, it competes for control and it makes us do things we don't want to do. And as we discovered is that most of this kind of happens because of what's on the inside of us. At least that's what Jesus said, and we just tend to go with whatever Jesus said because, and you hear me say this all the time, if somebody can predict their own death, burial, and resurrection and pull it off, you just go with him. Jesus said this in Matthew, and this is really kind of the key to the message. The things that come out of a person's mouth come from their heart, and it's these things that defile them. And when he says defile them, it really means these are the things that put you at odds with God because these are the things that put you at odds with people, and God cares about people, so you can't be okay with, with God and, and not be okay with people. And then he goes a step further and he says, here are these things. For out of the heart, or whatever you want to call it, from, from out of the inside of you come evil thoughts. And these evil thoughts is where it always begins. It starts with an evil thought and then it leads to an evil action, to an evil deed. It leads to, to, to you doing things or saying things that you don't want to do or don't want to say. And he said it always leads to things like this, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false testimony, and slander. That fr from inside a person comes these kinds of things. And we would all say, well, that's, not, that's not me. I don't, I don't, I'm not that way. I don't do that. You see, the, the truth is, we've all learned to, to monitor our behavior. I mean, you're here. Some of you are, are married. You're with somebody. So you've monitored your behavior enough to, to fool someone into marrying you. Good job. We, you deserve a round of applause. Some of you have jobs. Some of you have, have interviews. You, have, you, you know, went for a second interview. You monitor your behavior. We give you a, a clap for that. We've learned to monitor our behavior, haven't we? As a matter of fact, we do this as parents. We teach our children to monitor our behavior. We say things like, don't behave that way. Watch how you behave. It's all about monitoring our behavior. But according to Jesus, it's not behavior that we should be monitoring. It's our heart. Because the behavior is, is just an outside response to what's already happening on the inside. So, so what we have to learn and what we're trying to do with this series is to teach all of us to monitor what's happening on the inside of us so that our emotions don't take control. Because when emotions take control, things get out of control. When emotions start running your life, it sets us off balance. We've kind of used that as an illustration. It sets us off. It causes us to, to maybe get a little out of control, maybe to, to do things or to say things that we wouldn't want to do. We've been talking through some of these emotions, through some of these things that, that compete for control. We've talked about guilt. We've talked about uh, envy. We've talked about shame. We, we, next week, we're talking about fear, so don't miss next week. Today, we're going to talk about anger. And anger is one of those things that, that uh, almost all of us, and I, I think I could be safe enough to say all of us struggle with, but none of us like to say it's anger. Like I said before, we all want to just, we all just kind of want to say, it's, it's, I'm not angry, I'm just, just frustrated, right? I, I know this is true about all of you, and this, that, that, that nobody, and, and you're all a nobody, although you're not a nobody, right? You're somebody, and somebody loves you, we all love you, you're important, you have value. But in this instance, you're a nobody, because nobody ever wants anger to be the boss of them. Nobody. Nobody ever wakes up and says, you know, I'm going to let anger rule my life. I'm going to let anger control me. I'm going to let it get me so out of control. I'm going to ruin every relationship I've ever had. I'm just going to, I'm just going to let it run my life, right? And when we, we talk about this kind of anger, we, I'm going to use this word. It's called like extroverted anger, right? Where, where anger just gets control and I say things I don't want to say and, 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 and you know, I just, I just kind of spew out hate or whatever comes out of me because anger has controlled me. But, but for some of you, you know, you, you kind of sit back in pride and you think, well, that's not me. I don't have extroverted anger. I, I'm an introvert. I introvert my anger. I, I don't get angry. I don't get loud. I get silent. And here's what you need to know. 
your silence is deafening. Your silence is just as destructive. The people who love you, your family, your children, your spouse, they sit on the outside and they know what you're feeling. They know what you're thinking. You're just not saying it. So whether it's extroverted anger or it's introverted anger, it's anger. And if it controls you, it'll ruin the relationships you care about the most. There is, a, and I just have to kind of give this as, as a little asterisk, there is a good kind of anger. And I don't have a better uh, kind of word to call it except to call it crusader anger. And crusader anger is simply this, that, that there, are certain, there are men and women in the world, and this has happened all throughout history, that have seen things and, or experienced things or heard of things, and after they hear and see it enough, they just think to themselves, somebody has got to do something about that. That has got to change. That shouldn't be that way. And, and, and these are things like, you know, civil rights and, and women's suffrage. And we go on and on and on about people who saw things that shouldn't be. And, and the anger actually drove them to do something good about it. That's crusader anger. That's, that's almost a good kind of anger. Something isn't right in the world or in society or in my community, and I need to fix that. That's crusader anger. And that's not the anger we're talking about because crusader anger is this. Crusader anger is concerned about what others aren't getting and that they deserve. So crusader is concerned about other people. The anger we deal with, this extroverted, introverted anger, the anger that causes us to kind of destroy our relationships, that kind of anger is concerned that I'm not getting what I'm sure I deserve. And that's the anger. That if we're not careful, has the ability to destroy every relationship we care about that if we can't learn to get in control of, it will destroy you. It will become your boss. And anger is not a good boss. We're going to look at Scripture, at the book of James. James is the brother of Jesus, which is just an incredible thing to say, that there was a brother of Jesus who wrote about his brother being Lord. It's just amazing. But what's interesting about James is he comes on the scene after Jesus' death and resurrection. He didn't really kind of believe in Jesus beforehand, but after Jesus did what he did, of course he believed. He becomes the leader in the first century church in Jerusalem. He actually becomes almost like the pastor of the church in Jerusalem. And what's really interesting, and this is kind of a sidebar, but I think this is really interesting. James was martyred for his belief in Jesus. So understand this. James believed that his brother was Lord or his brother was the boss, so much so that he was willing to die for it. What's really interesting is that his death isn't recorded in the book of Acts. Acts gives us an account of all these things that happened in the church after the Gospels. It wasn't recorded in the book of Acts. And the reason it wasn't recorded in the book of Acts is because he died in about 62 AD, which is after the book of Acts was written. So, so, and this is why you need to know this, because the person who wrote the book of Acts also wrote the book of Luke. And Luke, as we talked about, interviewed all these eyewitnesses about this account. So you probably have heard at some point, you know, in, in, in your school or maybe watching YouTube videos or someone who doesn't believe in faith, who says, you know, all those gospels are not true because, you know, all, that was written way, way, way after all the eyewitnesses of the, the, the crucifixion of, of the death and resurrection. It was written way after all that happened. But there's no evidence to support that. As a matter of fact, there's evidence to the contrary. That James died in 62, and, and Luke and Acts were in before he died. They were written in a time when the eyewitnesses were still alive, could fact-check Luke, could fact-check James, could fact-check the book of Acts. And say, it didn't happen that way. But nobody ever did, which would lead us to believe that it actually happened that way. James, the brother of Jesus, comes on the scene, having believed his brother as Lord, having, having just spent time with his brother, which is absolutely amazing. And he shares some interesting insights that kind of mirror what Jesus said in the Gospel of Matthew. He gives us some insight, and really, these are two principles that if we would just kind of understand and live our lives, if we would apply them to our lives, it would change. These are life-changing principles. It would change how we live. It would change every relationship. There are two principles, but when he starts off this, the kind of introducing these principles, he gives us a little background, and he starts with a question. 
And the question he starts is, is simply this. He said, who is wise and understanding among you? I'm not going to ask you for a show of hands because that would seem very arrogant, but who is wise and understanding among you? Who has wisdom? Who has, who has understanding? Who, who thinks that they are, they are perceptive? Who kind of has an idea of, of what's going on in them and in the world and, and what's happening around them? Who, who among you? He says, just a very blanket question. By a show of hands, who among you is wise and understanding? Let them show it by their good life, by deeds done in the humility that comes from wisdom. If you think you're wise, if you think you're understanding, if you think you have a good grasp of what's going on around you, he says, then show it. Show it by your good deeds. And what's interesting, he says, these good deeds are done in humility. That comes from wisdom. Wisdom always leads to humility. Wisdom never leads to arrogance. Wisdom never leads to pride. Arrogance and pride, they kind of fly in the face of how we know the world works and how we know people work. Arrogance and pride always lead towards more destruction and, and according to James, to, to further unwisdom. Wisdom would lead towards humility. Humility is, is caring for other people. It's putting other people above yourself. He said, who among you is wise? Who among you thinks you have any understanding? Then show it by your, by your humility. Show it by how, how you care for people. Show it by your good deeds done in humility, done for the sake of other people and not for yourself. You think you're wise? You think you're full of wisdom? Show me. Show me by how humble you really are because that's wisdom. Wisdom and understanding come from humility and lead to humility. He says, but if you harbor, and I love his word phrase here, but if you harbor bitter envy, if you allow it to dock, if you allow it to, to, to harbor in, in your soul, if you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, if you allow this, 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 this like <clears throat> envy that, that I, you know, I want what somebody else has, I want it and I should have it and I don't have it and now I'm upset. If you have this selfish ambition that I should have more and I should have it and they don't deserve it and I deserve it, if you allow these things to, to harbor, to take root, to, 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 to plant themselves in your heart, we may have these fleeting thoughts, and, and they can come and they can go, but if you allow it to stay, he says, oh, that's, that's not good. If you allow it to harbor, if you allow it to take root in your hearts, ambition in your hearts, he goes on and he says, do not boast for it or deny the truth. If it's there, don't pretend like it's not there. Don't, don't deny what's there. That's not wisdom. Wisdom lives in light of the truth. Wisdom doesn't deny the truth. If you allow it to take root, if you allow this selfish ambition, if you allow this desire for more, this desire to, to get what you want, maybe at the sake of what somebody else has or what somebody else wants, if you allow that thing to take root in you, it's going to lead you towards destruction. Don't deny the truth. Don't pretend it's not there. Don't boast about it like it's not there. Admit it. See that it's there. And then do something about it. Begin to change the way you live because if you don't, that thing will destroy you and it will destroy your relationships. God has called you to something better. God has called you to something more. Don't pretend. Change it. For where you have envy and selfish ambition, for where you allow these things to be, for, for where you have envy and selfish ambition, you find Disorder and every evil practice. For where you allow these things to take root, for where you, you allow them in your heart, disorder. Every evil practice. It's like what his, his brother said, what Jesus said. Murder, idolatry, adultery, selfish ambition. All these things come when we allow it to take root in our heart. And if it takes root, James says, it will destroy you. 
Don't allow it to take root. Don't allow it to own you. Don't allow it to control you. Don't let it be the boss of you. Move it out. Get rid of it. Wreck that ship. Then he asks another question. He says, well, what causes fights? What, what, what causes these arguments? What causes th- these, th- th- these kind of um, confrontations between people? What causes this, th- 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 two people to, to, to fight each other? What, what's the root of the fight? And then he goes on and says, what causes fights and quarrels among you? Well, what's the root of that? And we would say, well, James, you're asking the wrong question. It's not a what, it's a who. You want to know who, who starts the fight? You want to know who, who, the, who the problem is? It's my mom. She doesn't respect me. I'm an adult now, and she keeps trying to teach me how to live my life, and she comes over, and she you know, corrects my wife, and she makes me feel judged, and she, she you know, critiques my parenting. It's not a, a what isn't the problem, James. It's, it's a who. It's my mom. It's, it's my dad. It's my brother-in-law. He comes over, and he talks about my yard, and how I need to fix my yard. And I'm like, dude, I don't care about my yard. It's not a what. It's a who. It's my sister. It's, it's my boss. He just doesn't get it. And he keeps, he keeps hammering me and hammering me. It's not a, a, a what isn't the problem, James. It's a who. And James is saying, here's the thing. If you think it's a what, you're wrong. And as long as you keep thinking it's a who and not a what, you're, you're going you're to miss it. You'll never experience what God has for you. You'll never experience the relationships the way they're supposed to be. As long as you keep thinking it's some kind of external thing, right? It's somebody else. It's, it's something they're doing. I'm not angry. I'm just, I'm frustrated with them. And James is saying, as long as you think it's external, as long as you think it's a who, you're wrong. And you'll never get to where God wants you to be. What causes fights and quarrels among you? Do they come from your desires that battle within you? Do do they come from the desires that battle within you? Do do they come from you or do they come from someone else? You say, no, James, it doesn't come from me. Of course it doesn't come from me. If you met my mom, you'd know where it came from. If you met my boss, you'd know where the quarrels start. As long as you think it's outside of you, you'll never experience a life where anger isn't the boss of you, where destruction isn't what awaits you. See, it's not outside of us. It's not external. He's saying the problem starts within you. The problem very well could be, and we don't want to hear this, and this is going to offend a lot of you, but the problem could be me. The problem could be you. Let me read that again. Don't they come from your desires that battle within you, from the emotions that rage within you, from the emotions that fight for control of your mouth and your mood and ultimately your life? Isn't that where fights and quarrels start? James, it's them. It's them. It's always them. I mean, you don't understand, James. This is what we say, right? You don't understand. I I, I earned it. I I earned it. I, I, I worked for that. It's true, you earned it. But you're really just upset because you're not getting your own way. You're not getting what you feel you earned. No, but I earned it. Yeah, but you're not getting what you earned, so you're just not getting your own way. Yeah, but, but James, they, they promised. <clears throat> yeah, I'm sure they promised. And you want them to, to fulfill their promise, don't you? Well, yeah. So you're not getting what you want. Yeah, but, but James, if you knew my story, everyone says this. If you, if you knew my story, they would all say, it's just not fair, right? It's just, it, it, what they did just wasn't fair. And you want things to be fair, don't you? Yes, and you're not getting fair. Yes, so you're not getting your way. You're not getting what you want. Perhaps that's the problem. And parents, we know this, don't we? 
we, we have kids, we say this all, all the time to our kids. We, we know there's just a fight to get their own way. Think, think, you know, you're driving in the front seat and you have one hand on the steering wheel and your two kids in the back seat and you're just, every parent has done this, right? Not just me. You're kind of swatting behind you. Just, just be quiet. Just stop arguing. And well, he and she and he and she. And it's like, no, no, no. Just, just go to the separate sides of the vehicle and be quiet because as a parent, you know what's really happening here. Like that's not the real problem. The real problem is that you have two kids who want their own way and aren't getting their way. So you just separate them. So maybe that's why our Heavenly Father says, that's why you should call me Heavenly Father. Because I'm driving the vehicle and I got a bunch of kids in the backseat who are fighting. I'm saying, no, 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 no. Just go to the separate sides of the vehicle. The real problem here is that you're not getting your own way. James says as much. He says, you desire, but you don't have. So you kill. To which we think, well, James, that's hyperbole, right? Well, maybe it is. Maybe it isn't. I mean, for some of us, if we're being honest, we don't get our own way and, and things get worse and we begin to react. I mean, isn't that where murder starts? Somebody wants something they can't have or somebody wants to get rid of something they have no other way to get rid of, so they murder. Here's the real issue. Maybe murder isn't your issue. Maybe it's, it's anger. Maybe it's sexual immorality. Maybe it's adultery. Maybe it's... it's slander. Maybe it's envy. It starts because you're not getting your own way. Because you earned it. You deserve it. They promised. You desire. But you don't have. And so your response, I get angry. Think about this. Isn't this how it works in our relationships? I mean, think about this as a parent, right? I tell them, my kids, go clean your room. I, I want you to respect me, and if you clean your room, you respect me. And you didn't clean your room, so now I feel disrespected. I, I want to be respected, and I'm not. I didn't get my way. Think about this in your arguments as, as couples, as, as, as people who come together. Well, I want you to do this. I want you to respect me, or I want you to love me, and I feel like you're not. I'm not getting what I want. So I get angry. James saying, as long as you keep thinking the problem is out there, that it's somebody else or it's something else, you'll never experience what God ultimately wants for you. He goes on. He says it another way. He says, because once isn't enough. You guys, you know, you probably need it a few other times to make sure I drive the point home. You are envious and cannot obtain. So you fight and you quarrel. I want and I want and, and I can't have what I want. So I fight and I quarrel. See, the source of our anger isn't out there. The source of our anger is right here. We don't like it. It, it makes us uncomfortable to think that. And, and, and the truth is, for some of you, and, and, and don't mishear me in this, th there are times you should get upset. There are times where, you know, you, you shouldn't be mistreated and you are, and it's all right to be upset. There are times when, when somebody has promised you something and they didn't fulfill a promise and you have a right to be upset. There are times when, 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 when you deserve it and it wasn't given to you. It's okay to be upset. As long as you remember that part of the problem, part of the reason you're upset is because you want something and you're not getting it. That part of the problem might be me. See, we, we aren't getting our way. We aren't getting something we want. And that makes us angry. And anger leads towards destruction. We, we've all seen that. Maybe you've seen it in your own life. Maybe you've seen it in your own relationships. And maybe if you've had the good fortune of not experiencing it that way, you've seen it in movies and TV shows. You've seen it in media. You've seen it play out in your friends and in other relationships. Anger leads toward destruction 
every single time. So what do we do? How do we change this? How do we, how do we step out of this? How do we make sure we don't get to a place where anger is the boss of us? I'm going to ask you to do something, and it's going to sound really foolish. It's going to sound maybe a little out there. It's going to sound a little ridiculous. But, but here's what I, I, I think we need to do. If we could just take a step back from the situation, and every time we begin to feel like, like that anger, whether it's extroverted and we're about to blow up, or it's introverted and we're about to shut it down, every time you begin to feel like that emotion is beginning to creep its head up again, I want you to take a step back. And even in your conversations, just imagine having the next argument with your husband or your wife or your kids or whatever it might be, right? You have a ninth grade son and he just drives you crazy because he thinks he knows everything and the truth is he knows everything. And he just he tells you all the time that you know nothing and now he's controlling your family. You have no idea and you're in this argument. What if you just took a step out of that and you said this? You know what the problem is, don't you? You know what the problem is? I'm not getting what I want. Could you imagine the response of the person you're arguing with? Could you imagine being in an argument with, with your husband or your wife and you're heated because, you know, he didn't take the trash out when you asked or she didn't, you, you know, fold your shirts the way you want your shirts folded. I don't know, whatever you guys fight about. You, you fill in the blank. And you take a step out of that argument and you say, you know what the problem is? I'm just not getting what I want. I mean, that just deflates the argument. Like, oh, really? Oh, I, I, I guess that's true. What if, what if we both stepped out of that and said, you know what the real problem is here? We're just not getting what we want. What if that was our, our response to anger? I'm just not getting what I want. Well, I'm just not, I'm, I, I had a, an idea of how my life should work. I had an idea of how this relationship would work. I had an idea of how my career should work. And it's, not, it's just not happening the way I want. I'm just not getting what I want. What if we could just kind of own our slice of the problem pie? say, here's my, my piece of the problem. You shouldn't have treated me that way. You shouldn't have broke your promise. You, you, know, you shouldn't have done that. But the, the real issue here, the reason I'm angry is that I'm just not getting what I want. I can get over my anger, and then we'll deal with the problem. But what if we just handed our anger that way? I have to ask you a question, and, and my guess is you're not going to want to hear the question, but, but I think you need to. What's your relationship with anger? I know that sounds weird, right? Like, why would you ask that question that way? What's your relationship with it? Does anger control you? Better yet, you, you may not be able to answer this, but let, let, me, let me just throw something out there for you to think about. What if I asked your spouse, what's his relationship with anger? What's, what's her relationship with anger? Talking about you. What if I asked your roommate or your boyfriend or your girlfriend or your best friend? What if I asked your kids? Hey, what's your mom's relationship with anger? Hey, what's your dad's relationship with anger? You see, what's really interesting is the more and more I talk to people, the more and more I see them being a result of, of, of an angry relationship that they're repeating in their own life and in their own family. So what's your relationship with anger? Here's one thing we know for sure. Anger is not a good boss. And we have the ability, no matter what has happened to us, we have the ability to step out and say, uh, of all the bad that's done, of, of the, how you treated me, or, or you didn't follow through, or you didn't complete, whatever it might be, the reason I'm getting this angry is because I'm just not getting what I want. So, so what if we all said this together? I want us to say it together. I want you to get in the habit of saying this. It's going to sound silly. Even if you're watching online or you're listening to this in your car during the week, I want you to say it with me. I want you to get in the habit of saying it. 
So that the next time you're fighting with somebody you care about, the next time your relationship feels like it's on the rocks, you could just take a step out and, and say this. I want you to, if you go back to that other slide, sorry, Amy. I, I want you to say that, uh, one more. I want you to say this one with me, okay? We're going to do it on the count of three. We're going to say it twice. We're going to say it once, and then you guys always kind of like lag the first time, so the next time we're going to say it with a little more attitude. Ready? Everyone with me? Even at home. Ready? One, two, three. You know what part of the problem is? I'm not getting what I want. Now we're going to say it, and we're going to say it like we actually mean it. Ready? You know what part of the problem is, don't you? I'm not getting what I want. Anger, you are not the boss of me. I am not going to let you control me. I'm not going to let you rear its head and destroy my relationship or destroy the things that have worked so hard to, to, to get in my life, a, a wife and children or a husband or a career or friends. I'm not going to let you control me. Anger, you're not a boss. You're not a good boss at all. Anger leads you to pride. It leads you to arrogance. It leads you to being only concerned about yourself, self-concern, self-preservation. And that is not a good boss. Anger, I'm on to you. I know what part of the problem is. It's me. And I'm going to fix me. I'm owning my piece of the pie. Anger, you're not the boss of me. Besides that, if you're a Christian, I say this every week, you have a different boss, don't you? You have a different boss who's a good boss. Jesus is a good boss, and Jesus doesn't lead you to pride. He doesn't lead you to arrogance. He doesn't lead you to self-preservation. Jesus leads you to, towards humility every time. He leads you towards caring for other people, forgiving other people what, what they deserve, even though you think you deserve something different. I mean, think about Jesus. Think about what, what your Savior did for you. He gave up what he deserved. He gave up what he wanted. As a matter of fact, he even suffered so that we could have what we wanted and what we deserved. And what if we treated people that way? What if we just followed Jesus into caring for others first, into being uh, um, caring for others and humble, into being other-centered instead of self-centered, and saying perhaps what you need, perhaps what you want, perhaps what you deserve, is more important than what I want and what I deserve. And I gotta be honest, in, in society today, in Maine today, that's a message that people need to hear. What if it wasn't about me? What if it was always about you? According to our Savior, that's exactly how it should be if you're a Christ follower. I'll suffer for you. I'll, I'll do what's hard for me so that you can get what you deserve. You see, Jesus never leads you to pride or arrogance. Jesus leads you to humility. Jesus, we say this all the time, he makes you better at life and he makes your life better. And he does that by leading you to humility because when he leads you to humility, your life gets bigger and your life gets better because it's not just about you. It's about the people that are around you. And God said, if you can be good with them, you can be good with me. Let me pray for you this morning. Heavenly Father, I thank you, Lord, for <clears throat> these wise words of James. Lord, James the just, James who is so concerned about how we behaved, about how this behavior came from our heart, that if we're not careful, Lord, the, the very things on the inside of us that we don't like begin to come out of us in a way that destroys those things that we actually care about. God, I pray for, for the courage for those of us who are here, God, who are listening to this and feel like that's just an impossibility. I, I don't know how to do that. That you would give us the courage, God, and even the wisdom to see the situations when we, we should take a step back and say, you know what the problem is here, God? It's not them. It's me. 
God, would you help us, God, to be wise and courageous, to see that God, and then to take the step and say, it's me, it's not you. I need to fix me. I need to fix whatever's going on in my heart. I need to be aware of what's happening on the inside, and I need to deal with that. God, would you help us not to harbor, God, these, these emotions, God, to not allow them to take root in our heart that would lead us, God, to become people we don't want to be. But would you lead us as we follow you into all humility? In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.